T-minus five seconds to lift off. Jason Lowe, what's up, dude? Welcome to the show. It's good to be with you, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm blessed. Blessed, bro. I'm so Thanks. blessed to have a Canadian. <laughs> you guys normally don't like Americans. I think it's kind of like the it's not hostile waters because I'm over across the pond. So you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we'll make a couple like, you know, every once in a while we'll throw a couple across the, you know, go little ringers every once in a while. And they're like, hey, you know. Canadians aren't that dumb. <laughs> Not at all. But when I, I'll tell you, when I lived in uh, Tampa, so I, I spent a few years yeah. living in Tampa Bay, and um, anytime I was connecting and talking with people, they always thought that I was from Minnesota. I kind of get that a little bit. Yeah, and I said, no, I'm, I have no connection, no ties to Minnesota whatsoever. I'm you know, born and raised Canadian, and but I had an opportunity to live in the U.S. for a few years, and uh, I mean, to live in Tampa Bay was absolutely amazing. And who wouldn't want to go live in Tampa Bay? Oh, it was incredible, and we still get to you know get back there a few times a year and spend time with friends, and uh, it's a beautiful part of your country, that's for sure. Hmm. I have a good friend of mine I played um, high school baseball with, um, Josh Muirhead. He's an executive for Tampa Bay. Um, uh, baseball team is crazy. It, they, they went and won to the World Series before, but you know, obviously before they had um, this the last couple of years or whatnot. And dude, I was like, man, you lucky son of a gun. But there's no luck, right? So and I think that's something we share. I yeah. really, I truly don't believe in luck. I believe you create your own. The harder I work, the easier things actually end up falling into place. If you're in alignment, then that's a hard thing for some people. Is actually putting in the work each and every day, even if that needle does only moves like a point zero one. That's the freaking grind, bro. Absolutely. That's yeah, the grind. That's the grind. And obviously, we can go a lot. We're gonna go all so much in detail in your story. I mean, the finance. I mean, there's man, the the books. I mean, you got books all behind me for the guys that can't see or the ladies can't see. You know, the books behind them. You got remember your why. I mean, the you know, they transition to becoming your own banker. That there's so much in your story, man. But I guess the only question I kind of like want to lead off with, just to give the listeners a little bit more context, and I'm kind of lazy in reading a bio, right? So, because <laughs> who gives a shit anyway, right? So, uh, <laughs> but like, if you could say, like, say, say for instance, I walked up to you, right, in Edmonton, right? Walked yeah. up to you in the store, like, Jason, man, you seem like a cool cat. What do you do for a living? How do you go about answering that? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, for me, I always share with people, especially as it relates to the process of becoming your own banker, you know, the infinite banking concept, you know, the essence of it really is all about recapturing interest that you pay to banks and finance companies, sure. credit card companies. And I personally, I haven't met anybody yet who has said, you know, I'd rather continue doing that. <laughs> I'd rather continue transferring money away from my family or my business. And so it, it always opens up a good conversation, but I always ask people, a simple question and that's whether or not they've read r nelson nash's book titled becoming your own banker and that book has sold more than four hundred and seventy thousand copies for a God reason bless you. Yeah. because it works and so uh you know i'm blessed beyond the definition of good fortune to be helping people through this journey for the last 13 years and um as you and i both know starting on your entrepreneurial path there's uh, a really good, healthy mix of ambition and fear. Yes, and, and learning to love fear, I believe, sometimes. Agreed. Like, 
because yeah, everything stems from fear. And when people, they, they sometimes they agree to disagree with that statement, but then I start proving it to them. Everything stems from fear. It's fear of the unknown, fear of the inevitable. Like, it doesn't really matter to me what you're afraid of. It's how you cope and how you overcome. That's the key because if you don't do either, then so, you, you, give, you give up the power to change. You give up mm -hmm. the power to grow. You give up the power to progress. Mm -hmm. And a mentor of mine, uh, Dan Sullivan, who I, I give so much credit to, I've been uh, in his 10X Ambition program for the past four years. And one of the things that he shared with me a few years back is he said, Jason, when, when you're establishing a goal, whether it's personal or professional, if that goal doesn't have a healthy mix of ambition and fear, then you're already retired. You just don't know it yet. Oh, that's powerful, actually. Yeah. And it's something that stuck with me because much like yourself, Chris, I'm, I'm always, always, always striving to become the better version of me, not a better version of someone else. You can never be a better version of someone else. No, and you've got to continually work on becoming the best version of you. And, and to do that, you've got to be coachable and you need to surround yourself with great people. Uh, for me, it's Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach. It's Joe mm -hmm. Polish from the Genius Network. Um, so many wonderful people that I'm the sum parts of everybody who's mentored me. Mm, that's a That's a great way of putting it. I like to say that a lot in a different way. I'm a shared legacy in everybody I've ever met in my life. Good or bad, doesn't matter. I look at the lessons. I When you shift your focus and your perception on just being grateful, even if someone tries to screw me over or someone wants to be, you know, of course, you got the dickheads out there, right? It just wants to be an asshole for no reason. But like, you kind of show up the same way, similar than I show up. Like It's kind of like, remember that Clint Eastwood movie? It's like, you were like realizing that some people you shouldn't fuck with. Well, yeah, okay. But then again, I'm not going to be the one that's going to be the aggressor. Right. I've learned now how to deal and maintain the ego and knowing when to turn it on and turn it off because you can't just you can't just say all right i, I can i can i can maintain the ego for a second you got to keep it busy so i know how to shift my focus on the different parts of the conversations that are going on in my brain right now like as we're having a conversation there's three conversations going on point of view from what it could have should have would have expectations right of whatever conversation we're having then you have the egotistical is always my favorite, always my favorite, because that was the biggest battle I have I had to, I guess, learn how to win each day on. Then you have the, the emotional conversation. And I love the emotional conversation because people get really confused on what emotion actually means. It's just energy and motion. Yeah. What you do with it, that's on you. Yeah. You, you hear this a lot when they hear guys go, you get caught up in your emotions. Like, well, what buttons did you push to get them to get caught up in their emotions? I mean, have you thought about that like all the way? I know that that's something that Dan Sullivan talks about. I haven't, I haven't met him yet, actually, to be honest with you. But as some, yeah, I haven't met him yet. I, I love I love his content, love his body of work. Yeah. And he, he just, the way that he communicates the messages is what I love the most, the delivery side of it, because it's not like over in your face. And yeah. you see that a lot nowadays with a lot of people trying to get someone's attention. Agreed. And you, you mentioned a word uh, just a, a short while ago. You said the word gratitude. Yes. And it is impossible for the human mind to be grateful and negative simultaneously. It's, it's, it, it's just not possible. And so if 
if you are one who experiences emotion as a result of being triggered, then get rid of your damn triggers. <laughs> right. It's really not complex. I don't understand. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. I love this. Don't, don't be, don't be that person who can be triggered. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, you and Chris, these are things that, you know, and your listeners can certainly appreciate that. I personally, I cannot make you feel anything. Mm. You're the one that makes a choice. And that has been such an important lesson for me uh, personally and professionally that I recognize it. I can recognize the early warning signals. If I'm, if I'm entering into a negative frame of mind, I begin to shift to gratitude. The human mm -hmm. being can't do both at the same time. And so you put the emphasis on being grateful and your whole frame of mind changes. And when that happens, your state changes. And when your mm -hmm. state changes, your approach changes, your body language, your verbal communication, all of that. And so it's so important for an entrepreneur, especially to be acutely aware of that because mm -hmm. you're directly influencing not only the people around you that are helping you to build oh, so powerful. a wonderful business, but you're also influencing the very customers that you're solving problems for. Mm -hmm. And so you it forces you to eat your own dog food, my man. Yeah. Yeah. For you sure. You have to eat your own dog food. You can't you can't just talk about it. People are going to read that energy and see right through it. Totally. Walking the walk is so um is so important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not just a platitude because your, your people will pick up on it. Your customers will pick up on it. Your family will pick up on it. Your friends will pick up on it. And so everybody's heard the expression. But for me, it's like I may have shared this with you last time we talked. I don't even remember. I just know it was a dope conversation. Exactly. I was like, we didn't want to, I didn't want to get off the call. I was like, I don't want to go to my next meeting. <laughs> Getting a membership at a gym and working out there are two completely different things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Thanks. And so you've got to, you've got to walk the walk uh, all day long, all day long. You have done an amazing job of producing leaders within your organization. And that's one thing that you're welcome. And that's one thing that I get a real sense from you. Even I, I actually was just, you know, so funny, man. It's not actually funny. This just seems to happen. It's just in alignment. I was having a conversation earlier today and I was training on a topic even that using the word client, I don't like to use the word client because it implies that you're a one and done type of thing. And I view you as a transaction. Okay. So I use, if you're enrolling them into a program, why don't you use the word student? Mm. Think about a university. I went to Clemson. Where'd you go? Uh, Northern college of applied arts and technology. Okay. Long words, right? So I'm sure it was abbreviation there somewhere. Right. So not I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a joke, right? So it's irrelevant. But look at the educational, look at the education field for a second in industry. It's a trillion dollar industry, okay? Trillion dollars, right? So education. Well, they kind of have something, right? Who knew? So I look at some things, okay? When you're using the word student, that implies that you're going to be there to learn. You're open to change. Right. Okay. I might sometimes a teacher is the student. I learn more from people that I come in contact with rather than the, the opposite. Okay. Absolutely. So that's, that's the whole thing about really believing what you do overall. And like, gee, it, it oozes out of you and people read that. Absolutely. So when I'm making, when I'm asking these questions and I'm talking to people and I'm using, I'm paying very close attention. I'm very deliberate and I'm very intentional with the words that I use in certain situations, especially in a enrollment process when it comes to 
trading money for XYZ, all right? So when they're rolling into it, they, they want to feel grateful that they had an opportunity to enroll into it right? rather than I have to now make a sacrifice. Well, that's not a sacrifice in an investment as a banker, you would understand this. So when they're using the word student, after they graduate, they now become alumni. Right. What is alumni pretty much? There's people that I went to school with there. We're family now. Yeah. Especially military. Same thing. Another another great example on how to build an organization. So when you're talking, when I'm talking about leadership, right? I take I've taken everything I've ever learned from you talked about members like shared legacy type of thing that conversation i've taken all these great things and just transferred them over to business yeah and wouldn't you know it <laughs> kind of worked out absolutely all right so leadership talk to me about what that does that mean to you uh to me it uh first and foremost it's all about people first and mm -hmm. whenever i'm you know i'm privileged to coach someone on my team because uh, we within the low family group of companies we have a number of operating businesses that are led by really really wonderful people and one of the conversations that i always have with someone when i'm first entering into that process and i know that i'm going to be coaching them mentoring them is that as a coach i'm responsible to you not for you and that is so say that, say that say that again that is so freaking powerful say that again because it's not what we say it's what they hear. They need to hear that again. As a coach, I'm responsible to you, not for you. And that is such a powerful, impactful message that people need to hear. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if a person wants to become a leader or they, they you know, blatch on to you and want to be led and mentored, then they are the ones that have to set the pace. They are the ones that have to show up and say, I want to become the better version of me. Because if you have that, that natural tendency to want to lead and to coach and really develop other people, you can see it. You can see that better version of that person. Yeah, if you're a great coach. And you shouldn't have to co coax it out of them. Mm -hmm. You're just nurturing it. You're providing them with radically transparent feedback that is another key element of leadership that is so important don't skirt the issues don't try to you know create that uh, sandwich of here's something great here's something that's horrible here's something great don't do that kind of crap as a leader get right to the point be radically transparent because you owe it to that person and they owe it to themselves if they truly want to become the best version of them and so leadership to me is uh, it's a work in progress. It's something that it is. It, it is not possible to be effective at if you're not coachable yourself. So if you believe that you've arrived in knowledge and that there isn't anything learn, uh, that new for you to learn, then you're going to be a very- Just go retire, go retire. Exactly. So you have to be coachable. You have to walk the walk. You have to demonstrate that you're continually growing and learning. And you have to build an environment that's safe and trustworthy. And it's not something that you talk about. It's something that you develop. They it feel happens. it from you. They feel right. that from you. You got it. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure that mistakes aren't fatal. Mm. That's such a big, big part of 
our businesses, our philosophy, our values, are especially approach. in banking, especially in banking, because you can make a, you can make one wrong move. And the next thing you know, CEOs get fired. Yeah, it's especially because you're chairman, I believe. Correct. Yeah. So it, within the, the low family group of companies, right. I'm currently, you know, chairman um, within one of our primary businesses, Ascendant uh, Financial, uh, which is just a wonderful organization. You know, we specialize in the implementation of the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Mm -hmm. And uh, for entrepreneurs in particular, uh, they, they pick up on this very quickly because they want to be entrepreneurs want to be in a position of total control mm -hmm. as it relates to if I want to grow my business, if I want to add people, technology, equipment, uh, buildings, whatever that may be, that requires capital. And say, say that again, please. <laughs> when entrepreneurs want to add people, systems, technology, equipment, offices, buildings, fleet vehicles, whatever that may be, that requires capital. <laughs> and shocking. think about, and I invite your listeners to think about the time where you needed to go to a banker and gain access to capital. Think about all the hoops you had to jump through, mm -hmm. the toll takers, the gatekeepers, the people who abused you. And then think about taking control of that function as it relates to your needs so that you have ready access capital to take advantage of opportunity that will most certainly track you down and that you've got money flowing back to your family and your business versus flowing away. That represents a significant advantage because everything that you do financially, Chris, is compared to what everyone else is doing financially. Yeah, I'm leading my example. And so if you can take control of this vital function, because entrepreneurs especially, mm -hmm. they really don't, um, and my experience has been for the past 13 years in practicing this process, is that most people have little to no understanding of just how important the banking business is and how that relates to their lives and their livelihood. And they not only abdicate the responsibility because someone has to perform that banking function in your life, but they also abdicate the opportunity that it represents to take control of that function as it relates to your needs financially. And so it's a transformational process. It works. And uh, I'm just so proud of my team here in Canada. You know, we serve Canadians coast to coast. Uh, we have great strategic uh, partnerships with providers in the United States as well. So for your listeners, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. and it's, uh, it's been, I, I, we've been blessed beyond the definition of good fortune to have served so many families, so many households and business owners over the years. I've never had not one client has ever contacted me and said, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm really pissed off that my pool of financial value keeps rising every day. It's really bothering me. <laughs> Isn't that good? <laughs> that was good. I thought it was going to be something else you wanted to say. All right. <laughs> this uh, Man, we're so freaking aligned. It's ridiculous, bro. Like, I'm just saying this the other day. It's like, you know, it's one thing I found in business. And this is a, this is very shocking. It's one thing I found in business. I can be dyslexic. I can maybe sometimes say a word incorrectly in a wrong format. I can maybe present an opportunity to someone and maybe have a number off and it could, that fraction could end up making, I could make a mistake. Right. But if I have a reputation, always taking money and putting into my client's pockets, 
over and over and over and over and over and over and I make them feel like family, they'll come to me with a mistake. They'll go, Chris, hey man, I don't know if you overlooked this, but if I didn't do all those small touch points and I wasn't, I wasn't able to do what was best interest of them short term and then long term simultaneously. Yeah. And much transparent. See, if I have an issue with someone, Jason, I'm coming right to you with it. Good. Because I would much rather nip it in the bud now. Yeah. And I know how to address it. Some conversations I have to pull you to the side and you're a man just as much as I am. But even with a woman, I always want to make sure there's another woman in the room. Oh, of course. Right. You know, and I want to address it properly. Because especially when you're dealing with confrontation, people say you're you're confrontational sometimes. No, I hate confrontation. But if it it has to happen to get the job done, then I'm prepared to go there. Yeah, because if I don't nip it in the bud now, it's going to turn into a whole different problem. And that affects lives. Yeah. You know, and that effect on the lives is me being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I will trade that every day for that. Absolutely. And, you know, there's my approach is uh, real simple. You know, there's a reason why they put erasers on pencils. Yeah. People make mistakes. And what is absolutely never acceptable is a person not taking accountability and owning it. And if it happens again, it's a choice. And so in our organization, mistakes aren't fatal. In fact, the only way to identify for the most part in most things that we do throughout our lives, an opportunity to improve, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to take that next step is to make a mistake. And rather than have someone there who's going to micromanage you or chastise you or make you feel horrible, it's much nicer having someone there saying, Hey, I recognized you tripped and I'm here to help you up. Let me help dust you off. And, Let's talk about it. And if you're approaching it in a way that's constructive, but radically transparent, yes, then whomever you're you know, dealing with grows. And that is, uh, for a lack of better description, I can only, I guess, boil it down to one word for me. It's fulfilling. Mm. It's what brings me energy is to see other people go through these experiences and grow from them, not regress. Yeah. And when you're dealing with a poor leader, you see regression. I can go into any operation. Burnout too. It doesn't matter what business it is, whether you're selling concrete or you're selling life insurance policies. It doesn't matter to me what it is. I can go into your operation and I'll know within three minutes whether or not you're a good operator. Mm-hmm. And it's, You do that by observing. Well, absolutely. And you can see it. Yeah, you can see it. You can see it in the environment, the physical environment. You can mm-hmm. see it in the body language of the people. You can see it in the the customer interactions that are happening. Mm-hmm. Those are all indicators of what and how business effective that leader ultimately is. And you know, there's there's something that's been lost in the phrase "the buck stops with me," mm-hmm. because it for some leaders it's dependent upon how severe it is. Oh, if that's it's a good point. That's a powerful point. That's a powerful point. Go ahead. Please continue. If it's more severe than, you know, the buck doesn't necessarily stop with me. Or they're or if they're a pansy ass and they want their staff to take care of a problem that they don't want to address themselves. 
Yeah. You have to be firm, fair, and consistent with everything you do, or your staff is going to pick up on that. Yeah. And especially where when you talked about the mistakes and your staff coming to you like, hey, this was a mistake. If you don't create the environment for them to feel safe yep. of going to their boss to someone that they might have a lot of respect for and saying, Jason, hey, take a look at this for a second. I'm not sure if this is a mistake. If you meant to do this, is this something you meant to do? See how I presented that to you. That's how you come to someone with a potential mistake. Now, hey, man, you made a mistake. Right. <laughs> right. But that's the in, I lead by example. Even with people that I, I I would guess you would say that are operating something, I don't come to them. Hey, man, you made a mistake. Hey, I'm not sure if you overlooked this, but in order for us to bop, 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 dropping whatever situation, explain it, bigger picture, framing, because whoever controls the frame controls the conversation. Right. And then I say, did you mean to do this? If you did, that's fine. Let's work through it together. Yeah. If you didn't mean to do it, right? Then okay, did you did just something you overlooked? I mean, how can you help me work this out with you? You yeah. said that's, that's a crafty little question. How can you help me work this out with you? I'm allowing them to tell me what they need. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that approach. And you know, another key element for me of leadership is belief, belief in your people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, love I'll, it. I'll give you a sharp example of that. So I'll take you back to March of last year. Okay. And COVID time. Yeah. And so here in Canada, the restrictions, uh, the, the, the lockdowns were all imminent on the horizon. We knew they were coming. And we had to, at that time, you know, get together as a group. And I shared with all of my teammates. I said, look, I don't know how bad this is going to get. I want to make sure that everybody recognizes that this is a safe place to talk about your concerns, to talk about whatever whatever's on your mind. But I will tell you, it is going to be serious. And we have two choices to make as a team. We can either advance or we can retreat, but we can't do both. You need to pick one now. Oh, that's great, man. Good for you. Unanimously, our team said we choose to advance. You gave them a choice, though. You bet. And I said, look, we need to, before we go into, much like if you think of the military, before the Navy SEALs team goes into operation, they need to prepare. Yeah, we check everything. Well, I wasn't a SEAL, but I watched them go in, right? I mean, obviously, I drove, I think you remember that from our story, that I drove slick. I was went inside, I mean, not just for the SEALs, it was recon, Coast Guard, stuff like that. And, of course, they, they go through their pre-check qualifications and go into their everything they check. Yeah. And the most important thing they check is temp checks with every individual. And so I shared with our group, I said, we need to prepare yep. to go into operation. And so we did some fire drill, remote work from home. Good for you, man. Uh, just some mock scenarios, right? To say, look, let's test, 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 and make sure that this is completely transparent to the people that we're serving. They're going to get the same great experience. Mm. And when it happened and we had to go remote, all of our team felt prepared. They felt safe. They felt trusted to get the work done. They felt like they had the autonomy to, to work remotely and still be productive. And I shared with our group, I said, listen, every single person that is part of our team today is going to be part of our team a year from now today. Nobody's going to lose their job on my watch. I will eat last. Yeah. And our team got behind that. Our business more than doubled last year. So I'm referring to Ascendant Financial, one of our, our group of uh, companies. 
Ascendant doubled last year and we're 114% over last year, year to date. And our- you, man, congrats. And so that is a sharp example of belief in your people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I cannot, cannot give them enough credit. I have the privilege of saying that when things are going well and when things aren't going well, it's all on me. Ultimately. Yeah, but the way that you just said that, I've read your energy and you hear it in your voice. There's a, there's a genuine, I am really upset, kind of like watching your one of your children do extremely well at something. Yeah. There's so much pride there. I'm like, wow. I love you know, that. Right, exactly. Like, I love my staff. I love it. See, here's the thing about staff. And, and I love that you took an opportunity to give them a choice. Because sometimes people don't give the, the individual a choice to back out. Right. If you're not ready, if you're not willing morally and able to come along this journey with me, then, you know, I love you and I can love you from afar. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean you, the door's not open. You can well, come back. And, and you can be vulnerable too. You know, I, I shared with my teammates, you know, uh, the word for us in any of our companies and this, again, it may uh, hopefully resonate with your listeners. You know, we permanently ban the word staff from our vocabulary. And like that. The, the only reason for that is because it's commonly referred to as a cost. Mm, that's a good point. Our, that is a really good point. As in a financial side, it is. It is. 100%. Our are an investment. And, you know, when uh, I talked to my group, I said, look, I, I'm scared. I'm afraid. And I'm afraid because I don't have total control over the situation. <laughs> That's like a nightmare for entrepreneurs. It's a freaking nightmare. It was like, what do you mean I don't have control today? Totally. And so, but our team said, listen, we got you. We got you. There's, look, it, we're all feeling it. So why don't we get together and let's work through this together? And I love my people, man. They are, they're courageous. Uh, they, they battled through it and um, they wouldn't let anything hold them back. And I got to stand at the back of the room, so to speak, and shine a bright light on all of them and and just make sure that they felt cared for. I checked in with my team every single day. You, you have know, to. You're the first, I mean, sometimes in certain situations that I'm in, of course, this is different. I like the I give off the impression I'm the first one in, last one out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, if you've seen uh, that movie, uh, I believe that was starring Mel Gibson. We were soldiers. Oh, yeah. That's a great movie. And he said, and I, I literally repeated it verbatim to my team. I'll be the first person to step onto the battlefield and I'll be the last person to step off of it. That's true leadership. Period. And I love that. I love that one quote where Sam Elliott, by the way, I love Sam Elliott. So Sam Elliott's walking, he's walking past, he's like, good morning. He's like, good morning. He's how do you know what kind of good morning it is? <laughs> he just, he looked like, you know, he's just like, like, like that was the best, man. Grandpa, you know. It, just, uh, it, it was the best. I didn't know what kind of morning it is. You know what he just, <laughs> he played him. He played that role perfect. Yeah, it was great. The bottom line is, is that no one individual is bigger than the team, including your, yours truly. I'm not, I'm not exempt from living our values. I'm not exempt from walking the walk. I'm not exempt from making mistakes and holding myself accountable. Mm-hmm. No one individual is bigger than the team. And I can tell you with uh, absolute certainty that when when that is embraced and it's truly embraced, 
within an organization and you play for and you care for each other mm -hmm. with that alone anything is possible right and, and that's not a platitude that's the truth that is the absolute truth and so i i leadership to me is uh, just as important as oxygen like i Mm -hmm. I love it. I, I don't know how, how else to describe it. It fascinates me. It brings me energy and uplifting people and helping them grow. And there's, there's really nothing more fulfilling than that professionally. And uh, when you, when you get to do it personally with your own children and within your community, right. uh, it, it oozes out of you and everything you do, everything yeah. you do. Yeah. Hands down. You bet. I was watching Michael Jordan. Of course, we were just happened to be, how old are you? I am 46. 46, I'm 40. So we just happen to be, grow up in the world where we watch Michael Jordan do extraordinary things. And I was watching that with the last dance. I think everybody on the planet watched that. Yeah. And he got really emotional at one point. He talked about that he's going to ridicule, do what he has to do to get his staff ready. And it wasn't staff to get his team ready. Yeah. He goes, there's no I in team because, but there's an I in win. But he, the way he looked at it wasn't him taking on that. Yeah. It was his position as the leader of the team to put them in a position where they were like, man, Michael Jordan's an asshole. But they had, he had a different vision in mind. The way that he was and the way that he was perceived like he was God. Yeah. So, if he came across like I'm Michael Jordan, I'm the shit, I'm a, you know, whatever. But he ridiculed them until they freaking performed because I wanted them to feel what it felt like to win at the level that I'm winning. And I'm prepared to go. And he got emotional. He's like, break. I need a break. And that's, that's kind of, you know, and it's funny, man. It's funny that when you're exposed to this growing up, you kind of take on that if you kind of idolize someone. Indirectly, not really like doing it and trying to, what is it called? Like um, when someone is trying to mirror success. I mean, that's true to a point, but you got to really embody that. Like all the principles. You can't just kind of like the Bible or whatever religion people are. The <laughs> Islam, and picking out what they want to pick. Like, all right, I'm going to pick out this one because I will, it's okay. It fits with my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, well kind of how I feel about entrepreneurship. To expand a little bit on the Michael uh, Jordan experience, one of the things that really resonated with me outside of the, um, you know, the last dance, uh, you know, the, the film uh, series was that you look at a guy who broke almost every record individually for the first five plus years of his career and a leader a coach sat down with him and said, Michael, I want you to try something that's a little unusual in this game of basketball. Uh, pass the ball a little bit more. If you want to start winning championships, help others on your team develop the capability so that we can win a championship. You are a naturally gifted, one of a kind, once in a generation player, but no one individual can be bigger than the team. So pass the damn ball a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, because they, they had all those touch points, that triangle. Yeah. Had and all then those yeah, yeah, the whole team got better. <laughs> I think also what helped allow him to forge the skills and the stamina to move. Like I believe success is all about sustainable. That's yeah. that one hunger and stamina. Like how much can you, 
how much can you visualize and go after and want within the inner essence of you as an individual? Yeah. And then how much can you take? That's one thing about my staff that they respond very well with me. They know that whatever happens today, my jobs have put you in a position to win. Agreed. It has nothing to do with me. So I'm, I can withstand a lot of, lot of freaking force. And I know how to, and I've even gotten to the point to where, you know, of course, like it's not all um, leaders are readers, but all readers are leaders, right? Think about this for a second. I was a quote for a reason. The purpose behind that quote, I am willing to consume, 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 consume. And I've gotten to the point now with all these books behind you as well that you've written, right? So you're looking at, it's not about how much knowledge can I take in. I'm looking for explicit knowledge. Right. Absolutely. I'm looking for something specific. And because I'm willing to go back to the drawing board each and every night. All right. Well, that shit didn't work. <laughs> so, all right. So <laughs> you should, I swear, man, you should be in my office sometimes and hear some of the shit that comes up. I'm like, I'm like, well, that was, well, that was stupid. <laughs> I was like, that was fucking stupid. <laughs> I, I think that, um, uh, it, just another thing that I, you know, I always love to share, especially with, uh, with my teammates is that there's, it's one thing to say, there's no quit and there's no giving up. It's another thing to actually um, demonstrate it through experience. And, mm -hmm. you know, one example that comes up for me uh, personally, and I shared this with my team, is that uh, so I work out and I have uh, an amazing trainer named Shannon. She's she's a wonderful gal and um, just a great, great trainer. And we were working through this uh, Tabata exercise and it involved um, four different sets of exercises and four rounds. And we got to the third round. And in one of the exercises, I had um, fell to my knees for about three seconds or so and then picked myself back up. And this was the third of four rounds. And at the end of the third round, she said, you know, we can stop if you want to. And, and then we're, we're done for the day. Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, Chris, you know, we were doing this over Zoom. And I said, um, may I ask you for a favor, Shannon? And she said, absolutely. I said, please don't ever ask me to even entertain something like that ever again. Mm -hmm. I am going to not only finish the fourth round, I'm going to do the third round over again. Mm -hmm. And here's the reason why. I pictured my children standing in that gym with me and looking at Good me. for you, man and saying what would dad do in this situation if he's given the opportunity to quit will he do it and i promise you i promise your listeners i promise mark my words i've been for several cat scans and i've told them before they run the cat scan machine if you find a quitting bone in this body i want it surgically removed immediately hmm. there is no quit there is no giving up my late father who I miss and, and God rest his soul. I think about him every single day. He told me years ago, he said, son, don't ever be found guilty of giving up on yourself. You can't, you can't come back from that. Not at all. And so my, I don't give a shit if it's once you can't come back from that. I finished that fourth round, went back to the third and crushed it. Even though I wanted to drop my knees again. And the human brain, that mind is going to quit long before your body will. 
Mm-hmm. Your brain doesn't know, your brain's not connected to your body. I want everyone to understand this. It's almost completely detached from your body. It doesn't feel anything. If you didn't have anything going into that brain attached to it, if that nothing was attached to the brain inside of it, you just shake your head. There's nothing there. You can't feel it. doesn't know. That's why havening, you ever seen havening, the healing touch thing when it do the havening and it, what it's doing is re re the neurons is rewiring your brain. And it's forcing you to go back and relive an emotion or relive a, a memory in a different way. Mm. And when you do it in a different way, it's kind of like a third body type of thing. It's like, I, you, can you remember when you were 15, what you look like? Mm, not really. Okay. Can you remember when you, what you look like in, in college? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in college, so picture yourself in college right now. Okay. What is a great memory in college? Do you have a memory in your mind right now you could think of? Yeah. Um, okay. Whatever. You don't need to share it. You don't need to yeah. share it. I'm just going to prove a point. So whatever that memory is, I want you to think about as in through touch and just trying to put yourself there. If it's a happy experience, just through touch because you're just moving your hands. It could be this. It could be that. Mine's my hands like this. Just doing my hands or moving my hands, my toe, my feet or whatnot. What yeah. it's doing is I'm, I'm closing my eyes and picturing myself in that room or pitching yourself. And mm-hmm. I want you to remove the frame just a little bit and place yourself right now, your present body in that situation. And if you could speak to your younger self, what would you say? <sighs> That's some powerful shit, right? Absolutely. You know, I, I think I would say keep making progress. Just do it faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, you think that you think that you've got all the time in the world, and knowing how fast time moves now, mm-hmm. I think I would say to myself, "Keep progressing. Just do it quicker. Pick oh, up that. Pick up the pace, man. For God's sakes. Right. <laughs> you know, what are you waiting for? You're kind to yourself, bro. I'm like over there yelling at myself like a drill instructor. I'm like, I didn't know they stacked shit that high. You know. <laughs> Oh, you know. oh man, I, that's how I'm motivated though. You know, it was actually when I was doing the havening thing. It was a doctor, Eric, um, Doctor Ruth. Um, I love her to death. Um, she did a havening thing for me, and it's just this funny is that I went back to like certain memories and went to a safe place, and I was literally I was in this office, and I felt like I was like I when I woke up, I didn't know I was here. I, I was there. I was so in there. That I when I got to it, I was like, "What? Am, what is on my desk? What am I looking at you? Like, who are you? Like, <laughs> it's it was powerful stuff." But then, but you have to have those powerful, like you know, um, affirmations. So whatever your affirmations are, like whatever you just said, that's how you want to receive. Absolutely. You see my point? That's why it's powerful for you. That's why I asked you, not okay. What would you say? Like okay, and then use those affirmations. So Absolutely. those are your way that you like your affirmations and you like to communicate to other people. Definitely. Here's the thing though. Every single person's different. You want to hear what mine were? Yeah. Mine Mine were, I'm like, I just go, I just go, I just go. And I'm like, she's like, what does that mean? Like, what do you do? Like, 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 I don't have, I don't have anything. I just go. Like I just move. Like I, I move. She's like, she kept asking questions. I'm like in a trance. I don't know what I'm saying. She goes, does there anything preventing you? I'm like, no, I just move it. If it is, I move, I'm running over it or moving it politely. Yeah. <laughs> and then she goes, 
She goes, well, how, how, what do you do when you normally go to bed? Like, what are some of the things? I'm like, I see you motherfuckers in the morning. That's what, <laughs> I don't know why I said it, but I don't, I wasn't, it was in a different frame of mind. But where my affirmations, I need to get my attention because it comes from my earlier memories growing up in a military, you know, like military stuff. Yeah. Like you're going to have to apply pressure to get me to move, but I perform better under pressure. Mm. So I'm a little, I'm a little different. And then so here's the, here's the problem with that, Jason, is it sometimes in my life, I would create chaos just so I had it, the edge. Mm. Not into myself or situations, just, you know, poking the bear, I guess you would say. Yeah. Well, I needed to do it within myself. Like, how much can I outstretch my own limitations? I would tell you, people grossly underestimate their capability. Mm -hmm. 100%. Grossly underestimate their capability. One thing that, um, again, uh, I hope your listeners get some value from this because. (laughs) Right. They're going to be like, what are they talking about? (laughs) Our our teammates, you know, our teammates do. Think about. I think everybody's heard of Muhammad Ali. Oh, no. I don't know who that – what is it? What's the name? Cassius Clay? And, well, here, let me share this. So mm-hmm. he was being interviewed, obviously, you know, many uh, decades ago in his prime, and he was being interviewed, and uh, the, the host asked him, how many push-ups can you do? And he just had a bit of a pregnant pause, and he said, eight. And the host said, uh, like, you're a professional boxer, like, you should be able to do a thousand push-ups, and he said no. Eight more after I convinced myself that I've done the last one I can do. Wow! So never underestimate your capability, ever. And if you have if you have the uh, the opportunity to surround yourself with a leader who cares about you and who's going to invest time and energy in you bring your very best every single day because that leader is going to help you become the best version of you and when you get to what you believe is the limits the outer limits of your capability that leader is going to push you just a little bit more 100 every time every time and i'm i'm if you're around me and if you perceive me as that person that you best believe i'm going to push you you can cry lie kick scream freaking crawl but there's no quit today love it there's no quit today i got man i want to do some pt right now like what right let's just pt PT, good for you good for me i'll have your ass thrown up in that trash can here soon (laughs) that's what i was telling someone the other day uh what was it it's a good friend of mine is he's probably military as well and he goes he goes you know it doesn't make any sense to me to watch people when they get overweight, it usually it comes from injury, it comes from their subconscious mind, it comes from whatever, right? Whatever situation is people, right? So yeah. no one on this planet's perfect. We have up and down, we fluctuate, whatever. Could be situations. But it's whatever you deem to see important for you now is what happens. Yeah. And he he put something on me one day. And he goes, he gets a lot of when people say, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough whatever. And he goes, Chris. You're probably military. If I had you stand up and do up downs for 15 minutes, you're probably throw up in that trash can. Yeah. So you don't have a 15 minute buffer in between. I said, oh, I have a good point. Shut the fuck up. You know, like <laughs> good point, good point. All right, got me. Shut up. And it's okay sometimes when you're going to an outside source that's not close there at that moment. You need that kick in the ass. You need it. What are some people in your life that actually give you that extra nudge? 
Oh, those uh, those are my mentors and uh, okay. and and my spouse. You know, Rebecca. That's important. I, I I love her with all my heart, and uh, she's her her support has been unconditional. Mm. And he she knows when to kick and when to hug, and that is something that um, I respect so much. You know about her, and that I appreciate so much about her. And without Rebecca, you you and I wouldn't be talking right now. Mm-hmm. I, not to cut you off, she seems like a phenomenal. Would you? How long y'all been together? So we uh, we've known each other for the past twenty two years. We've been together the past fifteen. Okay. Yeah. So seven years, I guess, stagnant, just kind of like floating through life, and then finally made a decision. You finally closed the deal, right? So Ooh. she closed you, one or the other. <laughs> so, I think it was mutual. <laughs> it was mutual. That's good. That's always best. The reason why I bring this up. Sometimes in life, and I failed to make the right decisions, but I, I'm grateful that I made some poor ones when it comes to my personal life, okay? Absolutely, yeah. Especially when you go through the, the entrepreneurial journey, okay? When you're going through this journey, it's important to grow with, not a, you know what I mean? So that way there's no resentment on how hard you're actually working. And of course, checking in every day and communication is vital, okay? But that's obviously normal. We know, you know, even if you don't do it, it could be the situation. But here's my question to you. Say, for instance, you are go back 15 years in your life mm-hmm. before Rebecca and you made that mutual decision to get together and to create a life. And right before you got married, everyone gets to a point, right? Everyone gets to a certain thing like, should I do this and should I not do this? And most people make really poor decisions based upon the motions or a logical decision. It could be a various different situations, right? Right. But say, for instance, you're a high-energy individual, okay? And the spouse is just calm. That could be good for you, but if it doesn't resonate with you and you felt inside of your gut that it wasn't the right move, what would you, like, what advice would you give that individual? I would say that uh, without delay, you need to confront that reality for you. You need to be comfortable enough to bring it up and to address it and to not not proceed simply because everyone else around you wants to. Mm-hmm. And it's that influence, you know, that uh, I think so many people enter into relationships that there may be some reluctance, there may be something there that hasn't been addressed. and. There's so much outside influence for that couple to move forward and that it's, you know, what's best for them. Letting them down, letting down family situations like that. Correct. Yeah, exactly. The reason why I bring this up, I have a dear friend of mine, similar situation, but then I'm just speaking from my experience because my gut was telling me one thing. My heart was telling me something else, but my loyalty kept me there and I made a poor decision. Okay. Granted, I'm grateful for that poor decision because it built and created, it helped me create the life that I have now. So you can, you know, I'm just more of a positive guy. Like opti- I'm going to look at life optimistically because I choose to do that. Yeah. Because I'm not going to focus on all the bad shit because then it's going to lead me to a freaking situation where I'm just sitting stuck in worry, stress, fear, lack of abundance. I don't live in a scarcity mindset because if I lived in a scarcity mindset, I wouldn't have the businesses or the opportunities and the friendships that I have today. Agreed. You wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have attracted you into my life if I was, if I had a scarcity mindset. Absolutely. <laughs> see my point? So yeah. 
And I, I guess that's, like, that would have been like oil and water to me, brother. Yeah, you'd have been you'd have got on this call. You'd be like, who the man, whatever, man. Like it didn't here's what happens with referrals. You'll go back to the person that introduced and be like, what the hell is wrong with you? And Justin has not yet introduced someone to me that I shouldn't have a conversation with. And I'm just very grateful for this one. I want to leave everybody with this, and I wanted to touch on this. I wrote it down. You mentioned indestructible wealth. Yes. Talk on that for just for a couple of minutes before we go. Absolutely. Um, I would share that it's a fundamental truth that your money must reside somewhere. Agreed? Yes, 100%. And so there are many places for your capital to reside. Through the implementation of the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept, it involves the use of dividend paying participating whole life insurance contracts. Mm. Within these contracts, money accumulates on a daily basis that cannot be lost, it cannot be repossessed, it cannot go down due to a stock market, volatile, temperamental stock market. There's no government intervention. There's nobody who can encroach on that and take any of that accumulation away. And so recognizing that your money must reside somewhere and from that very place, you can take advantage of opportunity that tracks you down and you know all of the protection and the uh, safeguards that are in place to make sure that your money only goes in one direction up. How much money do you want residing there? Isn't that good? That's man, that's freaking gold. I just happened to like look over that and you mentioned you you we grazed about over it. I was like, oh, I've read, that's why I have cue cards. <laughs> I like write my own shit down. I'm like, okay, what is it? Because I'm like one of those people. You know what's so funny? And I know we have to go here. I'm going to be conscious of the time. I have the same method in the same format and the same thing I do for everything. Yeah. I have cue cards. Why I have cue cards? Because I'm dyslexic. If you give me a whole piece of paper, I'm not going to read the damn thing in the first place. I'm just not going to. So what I do is these cue cards. I have a cue card. I have a cue card from the last time we had a conversation. I take that and put it into a file. I'll take a picture of it and put it in a folder. Love it. That's just, but that's my advice to people, and I want them to hear that. What works for us and what works for Jason, what works, and I want anyone to that heard anything on this show today, don't take it as advice. Take it as a point and a finger in the right direction. That's your path. You're going to have to go down that hole for yourself. Love it. So, man, I appreciate you. Anything else you need from me, dude, I'm not too hard to find. And if you're not first, you're last. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> shake it back. We just, we just shake and bake this whole conversation and didn't bring it up because that's how it started. Man, when I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh, I'm, like, I'm so excited I don't do my hands right now. He's like, thank you, baby Jesus. I'm all pumped up off a of Mountain Dew. All right. Jason, peace out, man. Much love. The podcast is brought to you by WinCheck Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.